Welcome back to Halford and Brough, your Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd, filling in for Mike Halford. Fiesta Friday here on the show. Very enjoyable. Halford and Brough brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, JanPro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact JanPro for a free, no-obligation quote. Visit janpro.ca. Now, in addition to it being Fiesta Friday here on the show, it's also an Ask Us Anything Friday, so text in your Ask Us Anything questions. As the name suggests, it can be about literally anything uh, and to the winner of the best ask us anything question we will give a $50 gift card to AJ's Pizza it's $50 right yes it's a $50 oh, sorry gift. 50 100 oh, 100 yeah it's shorten them oh sorry yeah we're going to give you 50 and we'll keep 50 and go out for a nice night <laughs> oh yeah 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 it's 50 it's skimming off the top uh no 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 a $100 gift card excuse me to AJ's Pizza so that's very exciting get your texts in uh, and in speaking of AJ's Pizza, we now go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, where we are joined by AJ. AJ, how are you? Sorry, I uh, I shortchanged the gift card situation there. I apologize. Uh, that's <laughs> that's okay. How's everybody doing? Are we uh, all right? We're 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 uh, some of us aren't well. Some of us are it's- trying to keep it together. But it's a great sports weekend in Vancouver. The Rugby Sevens are in town and you'll probably maybe get some drunken rugby sevens attendees uh at the at the restaurant uh this weekend uh or maybe filling up on pizza before they go down to the rugby sevens and the boston bruins are in town to play the vancouver canucks aj i gotta ask you as a new york guy is boston your most hated sports city you know it's funny i think as i get older it's the fan bases so right. yes, as, as I was a kid, I, I, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing still about Boston. Besides, it's a beautiful city. But any of their sports teams, no, I, I, I despise. But it becomes about fan base to me that that I that I struggle with. And Bruff, I have a thing for you. Next time you need a substitute on a Friday, mm-hmm. I can bring beer, pizza, and bad '80s movies. Oh my God! Right. Forget the substitute. Let's just go on a date. Yeah, you, you had him at bad '80s movies. Either. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> that's like what a, I thought. I just that. that's that's an amazing night. What's uh, what's going on at AJ's this weekend, AJ? Uh, it'll be crazy. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Obviously, everybody looking forward to the rugby seven Sunday or well, Saturday. My apologies. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's a three day right. event. Right. It's going to be great, and that game on Saturday hopefully is amazing, and then. The big thing on Monday is, regardless of what happens, we're running a buy one, get one free on our 14-inch margarita pizzas. So if you're sad, happy, you gotta, you got you to gotta order through Uber Eats. You can order Monday to Thursday. and uh, Yeah, I figured we'd give back given how it's been a rough week for Canuck fans. So. <laughs> it's shame spiral Monday. Eat your booze <laughs> away. Well, right, exactly. hopefully won't need it. Hopefully it'll be a celebratory two for one. Well, yeah, either one. Exactly. AJ, have a great weekend, pal. Great yeah, chat with too. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, that is AJ from AJ's Pizza. And again, a $100 gift card uh, for the best Ask Us Anything that we get today here on an Ask Us Anything Friday. Um, so text in 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber. Express at Ladner Center or our beauties in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, let's go into the inbox here to do 
some ask us anything. Do you have uh, I actually flag? just want to read some random text. All right, go because for it. I re- I asked for you know supporters of PDs, PD bashers, um, but I actually specifically asked for people who still support PD because I think it's sometimes more interesting to when things are not going well for a player. Let's talk. Let's talk to the people that still believe in the player. You said you still have a lot of faith in Petey. Um, and here's an unsigned text. People who question Petey's ability now to be a franchise player after this small stretch of games, frankly, lack the brain power to think beyond <laughs> what they had for dinner last night. Actually, just think pasta. Fans and media who want to trade Petey are absolutely the dumbest people on Earth. That's good. I'm glad we've got reasoned <laughs> debate and conversation on both sides of the issue here. I just, yeah. lo- I just love the one guy coming from, in hot. from Lynn Valley in all caps. I have no strong opinions on Elias Pettersson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's an unsigned text. <clears throat> it is beyond obvious PD doesn't want to be here. This narrative, oh, he said he doesn't want to talk until after the season. He, might, he most likely only told Elliot winning matters so he could save face. Never actually thinking about we would win. What would happen if the team wins? <laughs> On top of it all, does he really? Looks like a, a, um Anyway, there's some voice text issues there. He said, I love Petey, but he's got to start showing something that makes him look like he can put the team on his back when they suck. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming at with Petey. Like, if you are... Supposed to, you don't have to be a make a speech in the dressing room type of guy, like, mm. but you have to go out there and lead by example. And a lot of that just comes with bringing it every shift, bringing a full effort every shift, go out there and show them with your ability and your talent that things are going to be okay because we got Petey, you know, and that's what the best players in the league do, you know. They give their teams confidence. As long as we got this guy, we got a chance. Um, You'll often hear that about a goalie, but you'll also hear that about the best players in the league. And I know that sometimes it sounds a little bit, I don't even know, but like we talk about money and we're like, if you want to get paid like Sid or Nathan McKinnon, like you got to play like them. And that gets a little bit old sometimes, but like, it's also kind of true. Well, like, he, 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 you know, apparently, so we're going to talk to Rick Dollywall about the report. I didn't hear this, but apparently on the afternoon show, there was a report that they've offered PD eight years, 12 million. Yeah, I think it was discussed on the afternoon show originally from uh, Dave Pignota, the fourth period, saying before the season, they offered him uh, eight years, 12 million per season. Any, any, obviously. Well, and the way it was phrased in the report was, well, he hadn't, he hasn't rejected the offer. He just hasn't made a decision on it because he wanted to focus on the season. But it's like, well, how is signing on the dotted line yeah. going to prevent you from like the offers there? You either take it or don't. Yeah. Anyways, I, I thought that framing was interesting. But yeah, twelve years or sorry, twelve years, eight years, twelve million dollar offer before the season yeah. was the report. So that would make him by far the highest paid player on the team. Like what would be next after that? JT uh, Miller at eight, eight million. Yeah, so that's a four million dollar gap, right? That's significant. So that matters. You know, it it, it matter. I know it might be a timing thing, and you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, we wouldn't be having this problem 
if the Canucks had signed him to beyond a bridge deal in the beginning, he'd be getting paid around the same as Hughes. He'd mm -hmm. be getting paid around the same as JT Miller, and there wouldn't be this issue. But he bet on himself, and now he's in a position based on his point total, and surely other interest around the league, should he want to go to another team at the end of the season, he's going to get his money. Yeah, that's. I think there's people are texting in, you know, oh, he's costing himself money. And the thing is, even if you think he's playing really poorly, he's not costing himself money. There's almost nothing he can do if he has a second consecutive 100-point season that's going to impact his ability to get paid. Now, I'm not saying, and the team will love the contract that signs it or it'll work out great for whatever team signs him to that contract, but just the economics of the NHL and the demand for players who can produce points like that is so high. They're not going to look at, like, a team out there that's desperate for a top-line center and has the ability to acquire Elias Pettersson, they're not going to be looking at these games like, well, his body language wasn't great on the bench. Ah, I don't know. They're mm -hmm. going to see two straight 100-point seasons. This guy's available. That doesn't happen. We're going to go out and pay him. We need him. Yes. So I understand where people are coming from, and this text came in from Jesse, a PD, PD supporter here. I think this losing stretch has been good for him because he now realizes he's not a 12 to $13 million player, <laughs> but is a 7 to $8 million player. He's not realizing that. That's not His market value has not dropped at all. In fact, his market value has gone up this year because he's replicating his point production from last season. Imagine if he goes to his agents, he'd be like, You know what? Guys. I really feel more like an $8 million guy. Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just take some off the table. But I think that illustrates the difficult position the Canucks are in, right? Because we get texts all the time. I don't think he's worth 12 or 12 and a half, but I'd be fine signing him to eight and a half, nine. That's not on the table. That's Sean, not the option. Sean texts in, guys, there is no way if I am management, I am bringing back Zadorov or Lindholm and I am selling high on PD this summer. Despite the points, no way he should be paid so much and locked in for so long. He wears an A, which people forget, and shows zero leadership or interest of being a leader by showing any passion. Way too many red flags with various, various things. I think there's times when he shows passion. For sure. I kind of agree with the leadership thing, though. I don't know if he's totally interested in it. I, he's not. Like he just not. doesn't like when he people say Peter's Petey's got to lead by example. He's got to be a leader, and I mean, well, lead by example lead by is example. Sure, you could do that, but fine. but you know yeah. what I mean though. Like he's yeah. probably just like yeah, whatever. Like I'm just gonna play I mean, my talk game. Talk and acknowledge that. Talk yeah. and acknowledge that. Just, that's said, just who he he's is. Like Petey has not been a guy that's spoken up more, and that was more to highlight that Quinn Hughes had. Yeah, and then and this notion that Petey was ever going to be a captain, I've I've always found ridiculous. He does not want to talk to the media. Mm -hmm. He does not want to make headlines. Like Some of that might just be his personality. Some of it might be he still doesn't feel confident speaking the language. Um, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably a combination of a bunch of things. Some guys just don't want it. But then you also have to wonder, okay, well, do you want the pressure of playing in a market in like Vancouver then? It's, it's a completely fair question to ask, why hasn't he signed yet? It's not being negative. It's not ignoring PD's wishes to not talk about it. Maybe this kind of market just it. isn't for him. It, maybe. 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 He just doesn't feel comfortable in that kind of spotlight or just, just doesn't want the attention. Who knows? But we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, he could he could turn it around. Um, well, you know, a lot of people are, are, are saying, um, what kind of playoff performer do you think PD can be? 
if you count the bubble, he was great in the bubble. He, he was, was really good, incredible in the bubble. Yeah. And I think one of the things I remember now, some people won't count the bubble, and I, and and I kind of half count it, but what I remember thinking during that bubble was how encouraging it was that the young Canucks were playing so well. They elevated and at their that, game. And that, that at the time including, included Hughes and it included Horvat, who of course is no longer with the team. But, you know, that was one of the things that I was really encouraged by. There's been a lot of water that's flowed under the bridge for Petey since then. But Both I, good and bad. But I do think it's a it's important not to get caught up in the moment because there have been those moments, as you said. You know, it's even this season. It's not as if there's never been any passion in his game. Like he's gotten really good at throwing the reverse hit, at engaging physically in the games. Don't let these last couple of weeks or this last stretch distract you from, as you said, a lot of the other things that have happened in Pedersen's career. And that's why, for me, as frustrating as it might be to watch him play right now, the baseline of what he's accomplished in his career, the way he's helped this team, even the bubble, which I think half counting it is fair. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you wave it off completely, but do you want to say, look, it wasn't a real playoffs? That's fair. But still, he raised his game significantly. He was really good. And he was physical and he was in the battles he was battling for position in front of the net he was doing all of those things against really good teams in the bubble so I know it's there yeah and that's why the cavalier attitude of oh he doesn't care trade him you can't pay him I man I, I just can't wrap my head around the idea that you get closer to the cup by trading a player with that type of ability with that yeah. type of skill mm. right and it's not as if we've never well, if seen the returns him, good enough maybe it's not as if we've ever seen we've never seen him take over games right we have seen it have we seen it enough this year maybe not but he can do it now look maybe it happens that they have to do it and as you said who knows what the package is i mean i don't think in the short boy, term no it wouldn't help the team in the short really, term trading really, him. like yeah it would be a long-term play like if they trade him they would be worse doing that they because be of better. guys body language you know what i mean which is like basically what a lot of listeners are suggesting that's tough. That makes me extremely, extremely nervous if you go down that road. Does yeah. it make you nervous at all? Would it make you nervous at all if you were to say yes to an eight-year deal? There's Not always really. some risk with an eight-year deal. Yeah. But of the available options, it would make me the least nervous. Let's put it that way. Eight years. Yeah. Really? Based yes. on his age and his point point totals, I'd be pretty happy with it. So why? Because for me, I'd, I'd kind of be like, eh, five years. <laughs> Like eight years is a long time because <laughs> we've just seen, you know, I'm not saying he's going to turn into Huberto or anything because there isn't like the age concern. That's there, a, yeah. like, like there isn't the age concern there, but, but, um, you know, we saw with Luongo that his contract became onerous, right? When things turned and sometimes when you sign a player to a big, it's like loading up on debt for a, a business, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that when you think about it. It can turn negative value real quick. And it can turn against you. So there, there would be none of that concern that all of a sudden you'd be stuck and that PD would be stuck in Vancouver. Like Luongo got stuck in Vancouver, despite the fact that he was still a very good goalie. He was still stuck in Vancouver because his contract sucked. You wouldn't have any concerns about that with Pedersen, with what you've seen of some of its inconsistencies. Well, 
again, there's always risk. So yeah, could it turn? Could it go bad? Of course it could. Any mm-hmm. anytime you sign an eight year deal, it could go bad. Right. But it's just I wouldn't push for a shorter term deal because okay. the contract sucks. Because there's upside with an eight year deal as well. Because your cap that's coming down. Yeah. Right. There's upside with an eight year deal, and I still think like I'm not. I am not ready. I'm I'm here for your concerns with, okay, he's not taking the game over. He's not showing that shift-by-shift dominance. But I think if we're sitting here and saying the ship has sailed on a Leas Pedersen franchise player, I, that's way too premature. I'm not saying that. I know you're not. But, yeah. like, to me, if you have a guy who I still think has a pretty good chance to be a franchise player, mm-hmm. and you can sign him to eight years, and he's, what, 25? You sign him to eight years because yeah. you want that player in your organization. And it's so – the re- people, all the people texting in, hey, yeah, you'd get such a haul if you traded him. The reason you would get such a haul, which I agree with, by the way, <laughs> is because players like him are so rare and teams are desperate to acquire them, and they never hit the open market. Yeah. So that's why you lock them up as long as you possibly can. And I'm not saying it's a – it can't possibly go wrong or, oh, man – he, could he could he plateau a little bit and then you don't love the cap it? Yeah, all of those are possibilities. There's always risk with anything you want to do, but I think that also has the most upside. I also just want to make sure that if he does sign a contract like that, he is super committed to the market. Well, I think... And there might be some things that he would have to discuss with management and ownership about like how things would be going forward. How much does he have to talk to the media? How much of a leadership role do they expect him to play? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Because, you know, the, the, he might decide, okay, fine. Like, if if he's in a position of, like, if his answer is, okay, fine, I'll sign, then I'm, then I'm worried. But I don't think, like, to me, why would he do that? Why would he sign, like, out of resignation? Because maybe, he, well, he, he can he, get his money anywhere. I know, but he would just be like, loathed in Vancouver. He would be Do you think that matters to him? Mm, he's pretty sensitive. He's I actually think it guy. I actually think it does. Yes. Yeah. But but okay, he's a pretty so, sensitive guy. But it wouldn't matter to like some he, guys, he's but I think it might. the next like, 8 years. It would be a bloodbath to avoid being booed when he comes back. Uh, I don't think so. Probably I mean that I might don't know. Be, I mean we're getting yeah. in his head. We're a little, a little far down here. the road here. Be talking about if they want to boo him. What? We're going a little far down the road here. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think... The sports talk show tries to be honest. Like, how many conversations, um, you know, like, admit it, if you're listening to the show and you've had a conversation about Petey, like, imagine if he left. Imagine the reaction that he would get in his first game if he left. Like, imagine if the Canucks go out in the first round this season and then he's like... Peace. Yeah, I don't think I'm it'd out. be a good reaction. It'd be worse than Burry. It'd be yeah. worse than any. It'd be worse than Messier. It'd be worse than any player. Yeah, people would not be happy in Canuck history. It would be, and some people will say like, "That's unfair. He can do whatever he wants," and other people would be like, "And I can do what I want." <laughs> and it would be. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'd be leading the charge because, <laughs> like, I want the best things for the Canucks. We're, uh, you know, we're we're down. We're a- down. We're down a road. It's a four-game losing streak, and we're look at where we are now. What if they get? Yeah, s- but 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 that's the part of the fun. But to be of this fair, market, this is something man. we've been talking about all year. Yeah, I'm like, not yeah, criticizing. Yeah. We were talking yeah, about yeah. this even when they were winning. Like, what if he doesn't stay? Like, this yeah, is just yeah. a uh, something yeah. you have to prepare yourself for in case it it happens because it could. Mm. It absolutely could. Um, 
Anyways, what were we talking about? Just the Leafs that were just uh, really booing, booing Patterson after he move, goes away after they get knocked out in the first round and right, fans right, react. right, right. After yeah. they get swept in the first yes, round, yes, I think. Right. yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, Austin and Langley. Gotta love this market. I'm a part of it. I'm, a, I'm the problem. This was a really hardcore Vancouver sports radio. <laughs> but you know what? We, we, we do this to ourselves, but it's fun. <laughs> Come on. Ask us anything, uh, Austin and Langley, turning the attention to someone else who had a really rough game yesterday. Are you getting... <laughs> Let's spread this negativity around Yeah, yeah, bit. so spread it around. Are you getting worried about the Hronik extension at all? Feels like Hro- Hughes Hronik doesn't have the same fastball it did. Yeah, Hronik has had a few tough ones lately, for sure. And even Hughes has had his moments. Um, I've always been worried about the Hronik extension. <laughs> like... That's one, you know, like that's, it's going to be tough. He's going to have a hell of a case to present. Yeah. He's going to have the same hell of a case that Petey does. Hironic could, in theory, go for a contract that makes him higher paid than Hughes. He could. 100%. He will push for that. Yeah. He will absolutely push. And I think if you're the Canucks, you got to push back on that. I don't think you can have that. I don't think you can have Peronic making more than your captain and best player on the team. Well, I think the other question is, (laughs) to bring it back to Petey, what if Petey does go elsewhere? Do you still want to back up the Brinks truck for Philip Peronic? Does that still make sense for your team? Yeah, you'd have the cap space, mm. but are you as desperate to retain a player for the next you know, two to three years of his prime if PD is walking? And I mean, that's the other thing with the PD factor is it's not just – it doesn't just affect him and his slot on the team. It completely changes your entire strategy for yeah. what you're doing with another big decision with Philip Ronick. Now, with Ronick, I think – I think it would be much more comp. I, I think he has a lot more incentive to sign here specifically after this year than Pedersen does. Because Pedersen, yeah, he's still a year away from UFA, but if he kicks the can down the road, he's still going to be positioned to get paid. This is such a career year for Hronik. I think he's going to want to do a long term deal. But it wouldn't like I, I know Frank Cervelli has been out there saying, yeah, it, the number is going to start with an eight. Take that to the bank. If he has even a decent end to the season, I think that's probably going to be true. Um, ask us anything. There was one about, um, and this, the Dumber Lumber text line is chaos right now. There was one question about pizza as we go (laughs) away from the Canucks and towards the AJ's gift card. Um, why hasn't it caught on as a breakfast? It has a lot of calories. Sure. Tastes good. Um, you can make a healthy pizza. Why hasn't it caught on? As breakfast, breakfast pizza. I mean, why does any like why are why are eggs breakfast food, but not another time of the day food? You're asking why there's no breakfast pizza. There is breakfast pizza, right? But it's not like nobody. It's not a you regular can put eggs part and bacon and sausage on pizza. But it, right, or you can just eat regular pizza for breakfast. What what the question is asking is why isn't it more common to do that? Not yeah. that it doesn't exist. There's but a lot of all, prep time for pizza, but it's all arbit- a lot of prep it's all time. arbitrary. Yeah, like why do we eat anything at any time of day? Like sandwiches, we're hungry. there's not sandwiches. Aren't too a, philosophical sandwiches aren't a prep time thing, but you don't. Yeah. Eat, you're not going to make a roast beef sandwich for breakfast. It's just not what we do. Is that a thing? Like I don't, I don't want a roast beef sandwich in the morning. That's because it's not. Reason. It's not associated with breakfast. You've been trained that so way. Growing up, yes. There's we've, not, we've been, there's we've been not like some inherent. We've been conditioned breakfast by big breakfast breakfast <laughs> quality that all foods have. 
It's just a social thing. Don't I think we should talk to the breakfast. Isn't there something? Here. Isn't there something about if, this? Is a real chicken and egg thing. Is there something about, for example, the smell of bacon that is more attractive in the morning than it is at night? There is now because we've grown up in that environment where we associate it with okay. the morning. So, Jamie, you wouldn't have a big turkey meal for breakfast no. with, <laughs> no. all the, with all the trimmings? No, I wouldn't. Come on, man. But guys, like, come on. It's arbitrary. Yeah, it's true. Let's let's just admit it for once in our lives. Let's just admit it here. Okay. Um, anyways, All right. that's a good way to end that segment. Okay, so um, the Jays start spring training. <laughs> starting, your, <laughs> starting your day off with protein helps regulate your blood sugar after your long nights fast. Yeah, protein exists in so every there you meal. Go. What are you talking about? Protein exists in every meal. That's why you have bacon in the morning. That's why you have a breakfast pizza. There's, uh, but you can have dairy. There's a million protein. other it's, ways it's to high get protein. protein. High okay. protein. Okay, sure. All right. Sure. High levels of protein. So the Jays have already started spring training, but they start their, yes. their games game. tomorrow? Grapefruit League game tomorrow. Hard right okay. turn out of some uh, PD doom casting <laughs> right into the Jays are starting spring training tomorrow. So, yeah. Uh, Ben's, ben Nicholson-Smith will join us uh, to get the latest. We'll, we'll you could ask him said. about PD, too. <laughs> What do you think PD's going to do? You think he'll resign, Ben? Uh, Jampro, Jampro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact Janpro for a free no-obligation quote. Visit janpro.ca. Ben Nicholson-Smith, plus more chaos from the inbox coming up next year. Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here Myers running, and Bichette hits the ball a long way to left field, and it is gone. You cannot keep Bo Bichette down very long. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here, Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. Yeah, Jason Bruff's favorite baseball player, Bo Bichette, back in action tomorrow as the Blue Jays begin their Grapefruit League schedule down in Florida. It's baseball season, almost, kind of. It's here. Uh, Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made and uh, to talk a little bit about the Jays and their upcoming season. We now go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, where we are joined by Sportsnet Blue Jays reporter Ben Nicholson-Smith. Ben, thanks for doing this. Uh, how does it feel to be covering Blue Jays baseball again? It's great. It's great to have it back. It'll be fun to follow some Grapefruit League games and then, of course, the action of the season. Um, you know, it feels like a while ago since they had that painful playoff exit, but um, it's good to have a chance to reset and to see some new storylines come up for this coming season. Yeah, and one of those storylines I think will be on display tomorrow, the team announcing that uh, star prospect Ricky Tiedemann will start in the Grapefruit League opener. What are realistic expectations for Tiedemann coming out of spring training and the role he can earn, but also how he can contribute throughout the course of the whole season? I think to start, it's about throwing strikes, and it's about just finding some consistency. So tomorrow, for anyone watching, just see, is he getting ahead 0-1, 1-2? If he does that, the Jays are going to be really pleased with this development from him because he has the stuff. I mean, we know that there's big life on the fastball. He's got some really good breaking pitches. 
So it's really a matter of challenging hitters and making sure that he's not beating himself. And if he can do that, then he'll probably still start the season at AAA. Um, just you look at the Jays' existing rotation depth. They're a group that is pretty stacked at the major league level in the starting rotation. So that sends Tiedemann in all likelihood to AAA. But if he can go down there and make four, five, six good starts, we all know how much attrition there is in the course of a season. Someone's going to get hurt at some point. And if that happens and Tiedemann's pitching well, then it really could happen that he would be called on to join the majors and, and help this team at the highest level. Uh, one of the other really interesting storylines for me also in the rotation, which is you imagine, uh, mentioned, uh, has some impressive depth, but Alec Manoa, right? The storyline last year going from Cy Young contender in 2022 to basically exiled from the team, unpitchable in 2023. He's obviously back in camp with the team. What are the early reports on Manoa, and what does the path forward for him and the Blue Jays look like this year? Yeah, it's a huge question for them, right? You think about just a, a pitcher who struggled so much last year. It was it was a very disappointing season in every possible way for Manoa. So now it's about going out there and, number one, being healthy, um, which he certainly seems to be. He looks to be in really good shape, seems really motivated. So all of that is a good starting point. Then it's similar to Tiedemann. It's about throwing strikes. It's about repeating his delivery, being athletic on the mound, um, and really finding a rhythm, which he struggled to do at times last year. And if he can do that, again, we know that this is someone who can pitch uh, against major league hitters effectively. We've seen it before in 2021 and 2022. Obviously, you're going to want to see a fastball that he's locating well. You're going to want to see a slider with a lot of bite to it. But this is a major league pitcher. It's not really a question of whether he can do it. It's what that looks like, how soon he can be ready. And the Blue Jays do expect that he's going to be ready in all likelihood for opening day and break camp with them as a member of that rotation. How long is the leash for Manoa this year? If it doesn't you know, start uh, really well for him, how long can they afford to be patient with him? It's a good question. Um, I think it depends on a lot of things. I mean, for one, it's the health of everyone else around him. If everyone else is healthy, that puts pressure on him in a good way. Um, if there are a couple injuries, then they might not have the luxury of switching things up, and they might have to roll with him. Um, so to some extent, it's outside of, of what he does. But I think the leash would be at least six weeks. Like, I think you get at least to the middle of May, and you kind of assess where you are. If you get six weeks in, and at that point, you know, he's made, let's say it's seven or eight starts, and they really aren't going well, then it would be time to make a change, just as it would be for almost any pitcher. Um, at that point, um, you know, you're going to look at any any alternative, any solution, just to try to get better results. But I think he would get that first month or six weeks at minimum to show that the changes that he's worked on in the course of the offseason are changes that can make a difference here in 2024. How much pressure is on the front office this year, Ben? Because, you know, we know there's been the repeated early playoff exits, often in kind of controversial or dramatic fashion. And, you know, we don't want to, we don't need to rehash the Shohei Otani <laughs> incident, but maybe not the big splashy offseason additions that some fans were hoping for this team. I mean, how important is it for the Blue Jays to really overachieve uh, for a change going into this season? Yeah, I think there should be pressure on the front office at this point. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. So that's almost eight years now, seven and a half years. Um, and it's it's too long for a team with these kind of resources and expectations. And 
this kind of talent. You don't get players like Vlad and Bo all the time. They have incredible talent. You need to take advantage of that more than they have. So, uh, you know, there should be pressure on everyone in this organization, whether it's players, coaches, or the front office. And I think that's true. I, I think that, you know, seeing the comments coming under Dunedin, you certainly get the sense the players appreciate that there is a, a certain amount of pressure on them. And I don't think the front office would frame it as pressure because no front office wants to say we're under pressure to win. But I do think that realistically, yeah, they have to perform like anybody else. And these are jobs that are determined by what you do on the field. I mean, it's not, I, I think Mark Shapiro is very safe, but for Ross Atkins, you know, he needs this team to do well this year. I think that's safe to say. And, you know, the better the Blue Jays do in 2024, the greater the chances that he gets to be the GM going into next offseason. Is it fair to say that, you know, as you said, there's pressure on the team, on the players. Is there the most pressure on Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Because at this point, you know, we're two full seasons removed from his incredible MVP caliber season in 2021. And it's just hard to see the team really doing damage without at least something close to that version of Vladdy coming back this year. Yeah, there's definitely pressure on Vlad um, because they need him. If they're going to win, they need his contributions. uh, And really, they need him to be a middle-of-the-order hitter, not someone who's hitting 26 homers, but someone who's hitting 36 and is more of a threat to to blow a game wide open um, with his bat the way he has done before in the majors. So there's a lot of pressure on him. It's funny, though. I mean, you know, when, when you talk about pro sports, like there's so much pressure on everyone. And I think that, you know, the, the best players and, and coaches and execs find ways to succeed uh, alongside that pressure. And they, they find ways to just get it done. So I, I don't think Vladdy's alone in that. I think that there's pressure on Boba Shatt, There's pressure on Alejandro Kirk and on, on George Springer and certainly on the rookies trying to break camp for the first time with this team and make an impact in the majors. And there's pressure on John Snyder. So I, I think there's pressure on, on almost everyone. Um, and that's that becomes a little bit more magnified with each passing year that they don't have success in the playoffs. Uh, just before we let you go, Ben, as you mentioned, you know, rookies trying to break camp, they're feeling the pressure, you know, as well. What are those jobs that are up for grabs, and who are some of the young players that are going to try to force the issue and uh, maybe make management make some difficult decisions? Yeah, Tiedemann's on that list. You've also got Elvis Martinez, who's a young infield prospect, tons of power. Um, really interesting player and, and someone who could, you know, impact the team at some point this season. Um, you've got David Schneider who came up last year toward the end of the season, and he had a really, really great finish with the Jays, was able to contribute uh, with some, some great, uh, you know, home runs um, late in the season. So he's got a chance to make this team as well. So does Spencer Horwitz, who came up late last year at lefty bat, someone who can play a bit of first base for them. He'll be competing with Daniel Vogelback for, a job on this team's bench. Um, so he's in that mix as well. Uh, and even Yariel Rodriguez, even though he's, he's into his twenties, um, this is his first major league season, having been signed out of Cuba to a five-year deal or 32 million uh, with the Jays uh, just last month. So, you know, Rodriguez is someone who's pretty interesting too. And I wouldn't say that he's you know, a rookie in the traditional sense, but He's certainly in his first major league season and dealing with all the adjustments that come with that. Um, and yet he's someone with a big arm who can potentially make a real difference on this team. Ben, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. I know I'm excited to watch the Jays tomorrow. Uh, should be interesting to see how spring training unfolds. Thanks for doing this. 
You got it. My pleasure. And that is Ben Nicholson-Smith covering the Blue Jays for Sportsnet. And yeah, first Grapefruit League game is on TV tomorrow against the Phillies. Uh, but much more pressing issues to get to right now after that one, Bruff. You uh, you took a little time out there. Just to get a handle. On the chaos. On the chaos in the, in the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, any other day, I'd actually have a conversation with you and Laddie about the Blue Jays and how you're feeling heading into the season. One quick question. Optimism level out of 10. Oh, right. 10. (laughs) No spring training, baby. I'm not even like doing the, ah, it's the beginning of the season. (laughs) I'm so excited. Like, look, I'll enjoy sitting down and watching some baseball, but I'm like a three. Three. Yeah. The Shohei thing really broke my spirit. Well, the Turner signing too. Like that <laughs> yeah. was the icing on the cake for the yeah the dismal offseason. That, I'm not gonna lie, that one hurt. That was okay. tough. Okay. Well, who knows? Who knows? You know, just well, you never know. Yeah. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised Maybe. this year. Instead, Maybe. yeah, well, that, yeah. that happens all the time. Uh, okay, we've got some audio to play from Elliot Friedman, um, and Friedge. This is the latest Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, and we'll also talk about this subject with Rick Dollywall coming up um can you explain once again how you did about how this quote-unquote report came out about Elias Pettersson and the contract offer that may or may not have been presented to Petey before the season there was a report from Dave Pinota at the fourth period yesterday and I don't have uh the exact wording up in front of me at the moment although I can try to pull it up here but basically it was saying that the Canucks offered Elias Patterson, a eight-year, $12 million AAV deal before the season, and the framing was it wasn't rejected, but it was just kind of tabled so Patterson could focus on the season. Hanging in the ether, as Mike Halford would yeah. So yeah, here it is. Uh, this was the report from Dave Pinota. Uh, yesterday, according to a well-placed source tied to the cu- club, the Canucks tabled Pedersen a long-term deal believed to be eight years worth $12 million per season at the beginning of the 2023-24 campaign. That offer has not been rejected. It's there for the taking. Pedersen simply wants to take his time, see how the season plays out, and revisit his future in the summer. Those were the key details from the report. Now, I understand on today's 32 Thoughts, uh, Elliot Friedman has weighed in on this report. Here's Friedge. I don't have any proof that an offer was made. I'm not saying Dave is wrong. I don't have any proof of that. But what I do believe is that the Canucks have made it very clear to Pedersen that they are going to pay him a lot of money. I've heard in the 11s. I've heard in the 12s. But I don't, you know, I they're willing to do it. At the end of the day, they are willing to do it. They are simply waiting for Pedersen's go-ahead, which has not come yet. Um I've I've heard at times there was a specific number thrown this year. I I've asked the Canucks, they've denied it to me. I've asked Pedersen's representatives, they've denied it to me. It's always possible that Dave has better information than I do. I never discount that. But I wonder if we're talking about a lot of semantics in terms of concepts, in terms of an actual offer. But again, that's just semantics. The Canucks have made it clear that when Pedersen is ready to take their offer, they will make it to him. So I think Friedman uses the word I was going to use there towards the end. Semantics. Let's not get lost in semantics, right? Because we somebody texted it in. Friedman is disputing that report, saying there was no offer made. That's not what he's doing there, right? He's saying he doesn't have proof that an offer was made. He's asked who the Canucks have denied it. 
but you can easily – there's a semantic difference between an offer, a formal offer. We've tabled an offer. It's there for the taking. And, hey, we've had discussions centered around the idea of an eight-year, $12 million deal. Well, we haven't offered it, but we're just talking about would that be something you're interested in. Mm. It's a semantic difference, but it's not really a functional difference. We're not right? saying we're saying it, but if we were exactly. saying it, this is how we'd be saying it. it. It's, it's So maybe they haven't officially tabled an offer – but I'm sure, or at least I would very strongly guess, that Eli- uh, that Elias Pettersson's camp is aware, hey, we could probably get an eight-year, $12 million deal if we said we're ready to sign that right now. Brody, the city worker, with an Ask Us Anything, good morning, guys. What are the chances that this management group are now taking the rest of this year and playoffs to figure out if PD is the guy or if maybe they can improve the team through a trade? My daughter and I are going to the game on Saturday, and we'll be watching Petey closely. He is a great player, can't, but can he lead them? And then Brody says a little pizza after the game would be great as well. Okay, you're entered into the contest for the $100 gift certificate. Um, what are the chances that I – I guess the question from Brody is, what are the chances that this management group – are now are like they sw- are oh, they are they souring are they on, on the fence about yeah. now but because we've even if we so did let, even if we did say you know like the money's going to be there we badly want you I doubt that their opinion has I'd changed be surprised again yeah. it's just it's there's a reason he would be so in demand mm-hmm. teams are desperate for this exact type of player I think it would be so incredibly difficult to willingly not because your hand is forced but as a management team to willingly walk away or move on yeah. from a player like Elias Pettersson and like, also maybe has the it return ever happened in the NHL maybe the return wouldn't be as good as maybe it'd be like a Kachuk situation where you know the guy that they get that they're high on doesn't work out yeah. right so i mean there's always that risk too mm-hmm. like maybe that re- the, the lauded return which you assume would be pretty high may not end up being what they hope Burnaby Birdo with an Ask Us Anything. What do you think about the Canucks making a Z- making Zadorov as a net front presence on the power play? He would make a great distraction, and not many defensemen would be able to push him out of the crease. Maybe he has the be- the ability to tip pucks too. I don't I don't like that idea. No, I find people texting a lot about hey, biggest guy on the team, put him in front of the net on the power play. There's a reason you don't see it. It's a gimmick. It doesn't. It doesn't actually work that well. The yeah, thing yeah. is, you need a player to be able to handle the puck in front of the net and all, shoot the puck even and if be you're, a trigger e- man. Even if you're the quote unquote net front guy, there's still times whether it's on the zone entry, the breakout, loose pucks in the corner, where you need to be able to make a play, to yeah. make a good pass, to beat exactly. a player and open up space. Zadorov's not doing that. I don't buy it at all. Like, he's a defenseman. He's not a forward. Just because he's big doesn't mean he's going to magically be, you know, Thomas Holtzner in front of the net all of a sudden. If you listen to what Talkett had to say after the game last night, and I mentioned this earlier, um, yes, I'm sure there's frustration from Talkett that they aren't creating the chances and the puck movement hasn't been as crisp and they need to get more pucks on net. But what he's also frustrated about is if there's a loose puck – for whatever reason, you have to work hard and recover those pucks. It's really one of the jobs that goes overlooked the most because think of all the loose pucks that do occur on a power play. Let's say a puck misses the net or the goalie makes the save but you know deflects the puck to the sideboards. You have to work hard and use good technique to get that puck back 
and only not only get it back, but get it back in a position where you can make a play and find the open man quickly so you can reset and start attacking again. That, I think, is one of the more underrated parts of a power play, and that is something that's really frustrating talk it right now, and I think the wall play overall is frustrating talk it, and just, you know, he said last night, it's like, you know, we didn't get to lose pucks. They mm-hmm. they got to lose pucks, and we didn't. We have, and, we, we and have technique th- to get it out when it's a rim, and we're not doing it, all of that. And I think someone asked a question that was a little bit X's and O's. It might have even been Drance. I'm not sure. And he kind of, like, this is not X's and O's. Like, there's technique involved, and there's technique in how you pick up the puck on the, on the, on the wall and in various situations. Um you know, a lot of it involves body position, how are you going to, you know, cut the other guy off and steal off the wall, et cetera, all these things that you, you see in any hockey practice. Um, but a lot of it comes down to, like, effort. Do you want to get to the puck? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes the guy that you're in the puck battle for might do something to you that hurts, right? And I think that was his most that was his biggest frustration. Now, I will say that when you're tired, those things are way harder to do. And you just don't have the juice in your body to go out and do them sometimes. Taka didn't want to hear that excuse either because he was kind of like, well, you got a choice here. You can either fight through that yep. and be a team that's going to be successful in the playoffs or not fight through that and, that, and like, a team that's not going to be successful in the, the playoffs. That's the thing. Like, it's hard can't be the excuse because, yes, yeah. So, winning, so is winning the exactly cup. winning the Stanley yeah. Cup is really hard. You have to find a way to do it to do those things when it's hard to do. When you're a little banged up, when you're tired, when you're playing against a really good team, mm-hmm. when you're down in the game and you're rattled, the whole and the away crowd is really into it. Like that's the whole point. It's it's hard. That's what literally separate separates on a very basic level. The teams that are able to do it when it's hard are the teams that are successful. The teams that win. Uh, ask us anything. I'm an older, new golfer. Liking the simpler half set of golf clubs, possibly working my way up to speed golf. Okay. If you can only ever play with five gl- uh, clubs, which would they be? And mm. that's from Dean listening to the podcast in the future. Oh, it's a I question like from the future. Okay. So I would. So we have to include the putter or is that? Definitely separate? a putter. Okay. Definitely have a putter. I'm not doing anything gimmicky like, no. I'll just use my two iron. Well, mine even two iron. Um, I'm going to have a driver. Wow. All right. Definitely. I'm definitely going to have a driver. Um, you need to. It's, it's, no, I'm going three wood. Okay. I'm not. You I'm go not, three wood. I hate the driver. Okay. But, all right. You go three wood. I'll go driver. Um, you need some sort of. I'm probably taking a sand wedge. Yeah. Uh, for the sand. You know, well, but also like 100 yards yeah, in yeah, or, yeah. or whatever and, and chipping. I think so. How many clubs are we up to? We're at three? three. Okay, I'm going to take a seven iron as well. Okay. Now the question becomes, what is the long iron? Or I think I don't use a hybrid, but I probably should learn how to hit a hybrid. Um, a lot of people find it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, probably should be a hybrid in there, um, but I would almost no. be tempted. You can't go from a hybrid to a what did you say a seven? Why not? Or an eight. You can, you you can have one of those hybrids that's like uh You need something in between. 
You have entered power drive. <laughs> I well, I don't. I I, I I'm here's a uh, th- three wood, five iron, eight iron, sandwich putter. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. If you we'll get into that, if yeah. you just like statistically look at the clubs you hit the most, mm-hmm. hit my sandwich a lot. You hit your sandwich because I a like lot, right chip bladed over yeah. the green. Now I laid it back over the green into the bunker where <laughs> yeah. So you hit that, you, hit you rack it up again. Yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. But like the long irons, like three I hit a long of long irons off the tee. I actually do really? have a two iron in my bag. All right, but See, I don't. But know. I'm a little bit different. I'm talking about oh, this is for Dean. This is not for me. Don't be selfish. Don't just think about yourself. No, he Dean. asked if you could only ever play with five clubs. Which mm-hmm. which would they be? He's asking for you. Okay. Yeah, I would have. I would. Have, I'm trying to figure out what long op, long iron option I would have if I had one at all. Maybe I wouldn't even have a seven iron in there. I'd have a five, and then I would have a sandwich and a pitching wedge. Frankly, you got to have your you scoring. Gotta you, you got to have scoring clubs, right? If you're trying to you're trying to do it, that's a yeah. tough one. Ball is in. Parking lot. <laughs> Rick Dollywell is coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.